Blog Talk Radio. Quiet, please. Movie Beat, conversations with filmmakers where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV. On Movie Beat, we'll talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera. I'll provide you with guests and information you'll want to have whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. So now let's move behind the scenes at Movie Beat. I want to welcome my listeners today and say thank you again for tuning in. I have had lots of phone calls and conversa- uh, conversations and uh, emails regarding uh, our last show with, again, today's guest, uh, Michael Sontag from uh, Studio C Artists. We're going to do part two uh, about casting actors and, and the producing casting process of movies, filmmaking, and television. But I do want to, again, remind you to be sure to visit the uh, Movie Beat main page. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat online at uh, uh, rexsykes.com. That's R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. Now, hey, we have a new news feed, by the way, on the welcome page. So you can subscribe to the entire website and be updated with new information as it's forthcoming. So whenever there's a new interview or there's a new casting notice or there's something hot and new somewhere around the country or locally, uh, that'll be delivered right to you. So I want to thank you all for supporting Movie Beat um, by sharing it with your friends and your industry contacts. And please do continue. People ask me all the time, how can we promote Movie Beat? Well, there's Facebook and MySpace, there's emails, there's Twitter. You know, if you'll share the fact that these interviews are upcoming or when they're on or or the fact that they're archived so that you, your friends, uh, and uh, other industry people and non-industry people can tune in and listen, and uh, and uh, benefit by the educational material that that is presented. Uh, my goal with Movie Beat has always been to provide you with a connection and resource to uh, film professionals everywhere. And um, I'm very pleased that we're able to do that. I began this as a way to uh, uh, introduce you to my friends and connections in Hollywood and elsewhere. And uh, we've got a lot more coming. We've got screenwriters. We have. Um, script analysts, production designers, directors, producers, actors. We've got an agent coming up, I believe, next week. Uh, post-production people, sound designers, assistant directors, and a whole lot more. And this is where you can tune in and find out from these people, from the horse's mouth, so to speak, how they do their jobs, why their jobs are important, how they benefit a production, all the nuts and bolts that uh, you need to learn if you're a filmmaker or an actor or even a fan, You know, if you want to know more about movie making. At this time, I want to turn our attention to my guest, and that would be Michael Sontag from Studio C Artists. Uh, he's a casting director, an actor, and producer, and he was with us uh, earlier, and now this is part two. Welcome, Michael. How are you? Just fine, Rex. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, well, thank you for coming back. Uh, as I mentioned just moments ago, we got a lot of really positive feedback um, from our previous interview, and um, I'd like to continue that. Um, Sure. As, as well, 
Um, we were talking about how people get work, and, and uh, just to recap, we, we talked a little bit about uh, insights into the casting process and how actors need to remain true to themselves. You discussed uh, some about how the uh, business has changed over the past decade or so. And, right. Uh, and um, where, where, where would you like to pick it up right now? I mean, there's, there's a, we talked about reels and photographs. Uh, what about the breakdowns? Um, somebody had asked a question on the Internet, uh, and this actually is a production question, but if you want to start with that. Uh, sure, yeah, that'd be fine. They asked, um, how important is the breakdown in terms of giving a production credibility within uh, to the agents and managers? Um, actually, it, it's very important. Um, in fact, it, it's funny the, that this came up. On uh, we actually just were approached about uh, casting a feature, another feature film, and um, the production team wanted to wait to put out the breakdown until um, you know they had more in place and they were actually putting out a full breakdown and, and that kind of thing. And and we really encouraged them to um, put the breakdown out first. It's really important to do. It legitimizes everything. Um, it means you have to be sag signatory with SAG if you are doing a union film, um, which is important. And it just allows the, the agents and managers who are, who are sending their clients in based off of that breakdown, um, it, it, it tells them at least the minimal uh, uh, details about who's involved and that kind of thing. And um, it gets referred back to all the time, you know, um, months later um, when we're contacting uh, an agent or manager about a project approaching one of their clients, uh, the first question is, so where's the breakdown? When did it go out? And, um, you know, we keep the date, of course, and give them the date, and they go back and research it and pull up all the details. So um, it, it actually is really important to, uh, to put the breakdown out um, as soon as you start the casting process. Um, you, can, you can do it piecemeal. Um, you don't have to have everything ready to go. Um, you know, you can just release the first two leads, for instance, and, and put those out and release roles a, as you're ready. But it's still, you know, it's, like I said, it just legitimizes everything. Well, well let's follow that up then. You know, um, my, my question for you is, 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 is um, how best can a producer or a director utilize your services as a cast director? Let's, let's switch to the other side uh, for the beginning portion of this interview mm -hmm. and come back to the acting later on. Um, sure. Because there are producers and directors and filmmakers out there at, at, at all levels, and 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 they go, you know, I got to cast a movie. Um, I'm going to throw that out generally to you, but it, it, how do how do they best make use of their of your services? Um, you know, we we kind of our um, casting office because of the way that it it kind of um, formed as I was explaining the the last interview, uh, um, it formed fairly organically, you know, and it was based off of contacts that we had that came and approached us to see if we could cast some of the things they had going on, and, and that's kind of where we started. We do uh, a fair amount of commercial work now as well, um, but we kind of feel like we, in a lot of ways, cater towards um, the indie film market, and uh, even with commercials, we tend to cater towards, we've even done large companies like uh, you know, uh, uh, Walt Disney, we did a whole series of spots for them, and, and we did some for TV Land and some other places, but they were still, um, the reason they came to us to do them was largely because of the way that we approach it. Um, I think part of that stems from the fact that, that John, my business partner, and I um, both originally were actors, 
um, and we because we have the school and we coach actors, um, it um, we have a way of working with people. We've gotten a lot of feedback from the directors that we've worked with uh, when we're casting um, that we think like they do. And um, I, I take that first of all as, as a big compliment, but but secondarily, I think that is um, that that's the head that we come in with, and um, and so you know one of the benefits that that of, of how we approach it is that you know because of the school um, and the coaching clients that we have, you know we have a talent pool to draw from. Um, just from student base and, and, and clients over the years and that kind of thing. And then we also have relationships in place with the agents and managers um, because they're hiring us to coach their clients. So then when it's turning around and we're calling in their clients to maybe give them a job, it's kind of a win-win on everybody's side. Um, but we already have the relationships in place. That's how we were able to just kind of step in so easily and do this, and that's why it just sort of grew out of the natural business that we had. Um, but in terms of, of how a filmmaker can utilize us and how we can work together, um, you know, because we're independent filmmakers ourselves, um, we kind of get what it is that they're about. And so however we can facilitate that, I mean, uh, your, casting, um, your casting directors are part of the team that makes the film. And all of your department has, I mean, essentially, obviously, everyone involved in the film, from the actors to every single crew member, and et cetera, are all part of that team, part of that family. But you have certain production heads, obviously. Um, you know, you have your art department and, and uh, wardrobe and music, and et cetera, and, and casting is a large part of that. And so we kind of come in with sort of the philosophy of, of how to approach an independent film and how to help get it cast, you know, because there are... Um, you're out there competing with the big dogs, and yet you have to approach it in a very different way than you do, for instance, a studio film because of, of your budget parameters and that sort of thing. So, okay, so uh, hey, no, that, that's 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 absolutely fascinating, and 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 I understand it. But um, let me ask you this: mm-hmm. um, you know what kind? Of, I mean, you, you've kind of answered it. I'm trying to formulate my question here. Okay, I'm a director. I'm a producer. I'm I'm sitting in the Midwest, or I'm sitting in Hollywood, and I've got a movie that I'm going to cast, I'm going to make, and, and so I think, all right, I'm going to cast this, and mm-hmm. I'm going to put my friends in it, or my family, or I'm going to put, or or I have ideas about the the name actors, you know, that that I could afford budget wise, and so uh, I'm going to do it all myself. Why shouldn't mm-hmm. I do that? Why do I need your services or a casting director services to uh, to to uh, put people in the in the roles. How how could you, I, I know what I'm trying to ask you, and and keep that part in mind. The other right. thing we talked about we talked about in the first part of the interview that when an actor comes in, they don't realize that they're just but a small cog in a in a very large production. That they that mm-hmm. is, you know this might be a four year process. Mm-hmm. And so we had we had you you gave incredibly valuable advice regarding you know the attitude that an actor needs to have when they're standing there in in that particular position, you know, that they find themselves in being cast for a role, mm-hmm. uh, their responsibility, what they come in with and how they do that. But now the flip side, how important is it for me to find the right person for the role to make the project work? Yeah, I do. I understand exactly what you're asking. Um, it's key, really. Uh, it, it, I, I, without sounding too overly dramatic about it, it makes or breaks your project. Um, 
nothing can be more disastrous. At the end of the day, what people are left with is who's in your film and what they're watching on the screen. And if something in there fails, um, you can have the most brilliant music you've ever had, but if something's wrong from the casting standpoint, it, it can completely wreck your film. And, and that goes all the way from, from just the audience's um, uh, uh, involvement in watching the film, but it, it also um, goes all the way to you know how how your ability to sell your film. You know, um, it depends. It really depends. You have to have a vision for your film, obviously, and know where you want to take it. Um, and and you have to obviously have some sort of um, uh, I guess um, realization or reality factor in terms of where the film's going to go. Um, you know, not every film is meant to go on 3,000 screens across the country, you know, um, and every film that's shot everywhere is not destined for that. Um, but depending on, on where your target is for where you want your film to land, the cast has to fall in line with that. If you are aiming for some sort of theatrical distribution, let's say, um, it's really, really hard these days to do that without having some sort of names in your cast. In fact, I'll venture the statement that it's almost impossible, and that's even changed oh, since in the past seven or eight years. Um, you know, uh, you look at a lot of when, when independent film was really all the rage in the mid-90s and late-90s and stuff, um, you know, a lot of films still had a lot of unknown actors in them. That's all shifted. Um, and I, I won't say that it's 100% impossible, you know, um, but very few films that I can recall, uh, the last film off the top of my head that I can think of that did well, that was independent and had um, unknown actors in it was Kissing Jessica Stein. Um, I'm sure there are probably some other examples that people could come up with that fall in between there. But for the most part, you know, small films, I, have, I, I know people that have made films for a half a million dollars now, and um, they still have three or four names in their cast. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's sort of that balance of, of, of being able to, to pull that off. And so just to, to get back to your original question, casting is key in it because it, it really, um, you know, it's not to say that you don't want to put your family in it or the, that you don't want to put your friends in it, but you have to make sure that you're not doing that just because they're the closest people by, and you go, oh, they'll be fine in it, I'm sure, you know, or I, I probably can't afford anything else, so I'm just going to go with this. You know, um, it, it all... You know, you have to try and work to see what you can put together, and it's surprising sometimes what you can put together. Um, just to, to go back and answer the other part of the question that you were asking, um, I, I have firsthand experience of what it's like to try and go without a casting director. Um, the, the current film that I'm in the process of putting together, um, we now have a, a, a handful of names that are in it. We have about half of our cast in place, and we're still you know, working on the casting of it. Um, but we originally decided to do the film ourselves. We're like, well, okay, we cast other people's films, so it's just logical that we would go ahead and cast our own film, right? Well, we started that process, and once I got outside of calling the people that I knew, that knew me, that knew my business directly, that I could just pick up the phone and get them on the phone right away, right? Once I got outside of that and was starting to call other people um, as the casting director, the first questions were, well, wait, you're producing it and you're casting it. Why is that? It makes people suspicious of it. Um, I spent the first 10 minutes of every phone call trying to explain why that was the case, you know. 
and it, it, it talk about legitimizing your project in terms of putting your breakdown out. It did the exact opposite of that. And not, not be, I was completely upfront. It wasn't because anything you know goofy was going on there. It was just it was it seemed logical to us that we would do it that way. And um, we ended up learning by mistake. We we it took two months two months of time, and and you know we we got a little bit put together, but not nearly in terms of what we were doing if we were doing somebody else's film. And so we ended up going out and hiring our own casting director and getting out of the way of our own production because. Um, Ultimately, I think that when the director is talking on the phone and they they are talking casting and they also have the producer on the line, it, it makes them a little wary because they're ultimately who I who you know I'm the person they're going to be negotiating with for the deal. And if I'm in the place of the casting person and the producer, um, it, it's it, they don't want to talk freely to me and it hinders the process. So I don't know if that answers it, but that's that was my experience definitely. No, it makes perfect sense, and it speaks to having enough business sense to know uh, what parts you play. You know, I mean, you, you obviously have a talent at doing both. You can be a producer and a casting director, and you can wear both hats, but you're, you're smart enough to go, I, I can't wear these simultaneously in this in this particular situation. And and so if you say, I, I then have to hire a, you know, a casting director, I assume you find one that you trust, and, and you bring them on board so that they can serve that very important function, and you can and you can... Serve the other very important functions. Um, I, I want to exactly. bring up a couple of things that, that you mentioned, and that is because we're talking film, but there's also you know this mad rush now where you can't get a theatrical release, and I can shoot it on digital. I can go out and get a red. I can get something. Right. I can, I can get a little handheld camcorder. I can make my thing and get it up on on YouTube. But I could I could I could release it straight to DVD. I could get it in the in in Walmart. You know, if nothing mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. Um, and television, though. I, I was speaking with an agent who I believe will be a guest next week, and he was telling me how difficult it is now to get unknown. You know, you used to be able to get recognizable guest stars. Yeah. It's all shifted to names. You know, they, they yep. want the really recognizable, they want the name recognition guest stars in the guest stars positions in, in TV shows. So a lot has shifted in Hollywood. Oh, a lot has shifted there. A lot. It's um, so, you know, it's it's. It, it, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say it's it's. That statement is ex- exactly accurate. It's really interesting because you know there used to be this whole slew of actors who made their living doing guest star spots and co-star spots, right? And they were the people that were oh, if you saw them, you're like oh yeah, that person I've seen them before, but you didn't know their name necessarily or anything. That entire category is is gone basically. And the people that filled that are now like, you know, scrambling for five and unders and stuff. It's really adjusted everything down, and, and part of it is just there is not as much work around as there used to be. Um, you know, there something like 67 pilots greenlit this past year, and that's down from, uh, you know, several hundred just two or three years ago. Um, and so it all shifts down, and so what it is is they can get people with a lot more name recognition because people are scrambling for the work. Well, and 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 – as a result, you know, I, I mean, there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, a maverick has their place. And, and mm-hmm. what we're addressing, I think, is, you know, there's always going to be somebody who, who may break through and they may make a movie tomorrow with completely unknowns and they might shoot it with their little Canon sure shot camera and, it, you know, somehow mm-hmm. it, you know, it rises to the top. But in general, that's, that's a, a very, very long and distant shot. Mm-hmm. And with most of the people, people who I've introduced here and uh, interviewed and conversed with on Movie Beat, the producers have always said, do your due diligence. You know, re- research where you want your movie to end up. If you want it at exactly. the release, 
or if you're going to put it on DVD, you know, do the homework, figure it out, and then cast it appropriately. Put the people in there so that you can get the sale, because you won't get a sale. You know, you're, I mean, there are a lot of other factors, but you certainly won't get the sale otherwise. So, so you bring up some really, really, uh, I think, uh, uh, crucial points for filmmakers in terms of getting the people in there that uh, can help them sell their movie, have a back-end vision of where they're going to, um, you know, where the movie's going to end up, and and also, uh, you said something earlier that it, it, it's it's like the, the the analogy of a chain is only as good as its weakest link, and mm -hmm. so if you've got a bad performance in there or or a poor actor in there, they're going to stand out from a lot, you know, oftentimes ruin the entire entire thing. Well, and you know what? It, it's sometimes not even that the performance is 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 um, not up to par. You know, casting is very much involved, and it's got to be the right person as well. And and somebody can perform as well as as um, as they can, and they can give a great performance per se. But the casting's just off. You know, it's those situations where you're looking and you're like, well, it's not that they can say they did a bad job, but why why are they playing that part? You know, and um, and the other part of that is, okay, let's just say all of that even is fine, but if you cast someone in and let's say that you're trying to sell it for um, direct-to-video, you know, um, and they're still going to, you know, they're still going to require someone in it. And, you know, let's say that you do make your film for, let's, say, let's just say you make your film for $500,000, okay, um, and you pull that together through private equity and you make your film – you know, if it's a horror film, let's say, you know, you still it, – it serves you really well to get someone in it who people have a recognition of as opposed to just casting your cousin in it because even – and you can do that at that budget level. You know, it's possible to do. It takes some time, and you've got to find the right person, et cetera. It's not just like an you know, instant here, here's the money, and they're jumping at doing it necessarily – but you find the right person, and that's part of what the casting person does is they they kind of they have you know one is we have some idea of who will do what, where, and when, why, and the other part because it's it's part of what we spend our time doing um but the other part of it is you know it, you hire us to go out and and find the people that that you know are right for it for that budget for what you're looking to do with it who are available and and are looking for something because there are people out there looking for stuff to do that you know every actor at every stage needs a, a step up in their career you know um and even if they just want an oscar that's actually the scariest time because it's like what are they going to do next you know so everybody's got to figure out the next job they're going to do and so people are looking and so it's just a, it's it's almost like matchmaking in, a, in an odd way it's you're you're pairing that all up and the casting director in some ways is the matchmaker well I, and i'm really glad that you pointed out something that i had said it, it, you you had said it's not just that it might be a poor performance it might be about whether or not they were right for the role yeah, mm -hmm. Because sometimes you can be brilliantly acted, as you point out, but they're just they're the, the wrong person in the wrong part. Can and I, I know this is an incredibly vague, but it, you know, because each thing is content specific, you know, each project and everything. But the, how do you know the right person for the role? I mean, how, gut instinct. I mean, how does how does a person find steer themselves in that? What can they look for if they were watching a movie, if, if, or if you had a without naming names or putting yourself in a situation you don't want to be in, is there something that a person, a director or a filmmaker could do or an actor could do to, to kind of develop that critical sense of, of 
are these people cast appropriately or correctly or or to the best right. of you know what it's somewhat gut instinct um and or frankly it's a lot gut instinct but it's gut instinct based off of years of 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 kind of focusing there um it, it's not uh, it, i'm not claiming like it's some you know pre-divine talent like or something right. necessarily it's, like it's learned at times Right, okay. right. It's based it's based on the experience of having done it thousands of times. I, I, exactly. I, but but you know, outside of being gun, I mean, really what you look at is you look at the essence of the person. And and you know, people do have essences. It it's the same thing, you know, you can do a little test and just have five people that you don't know walk in the room, stand in front of you, say hello and walk away. And you can fairly accurately give your, you know, five second impression analysis of what type of person they are just off of that because as human beings we all have certain essences we all have certain things about us and um and so you know in terms of finding the right match like i'll I'll give you an example you know um okay so so why is it that meg ryan has struggled in her career ever since um she had that affair with russell crowe it's because um, she she violated basically her contract with her audience in terms of what they expected from her because she was the girl next door. Angelina Jolie basically did the same thing. I mean, I, this sounds catty or something. I don't mean it to, but it's basically the same thing, and people expect that of her sort of. She plays the femme fatale a little bit. She plays the the – the other woman in that way sometimes. And it's not that that's who they really are in real life. Uh, they're both lovely people. You know, um, I'm talking about their essence. It's what the audience expects from them. And that's kind of how you cast. You know, you don't expect Meg Ryan to do something that is not considered the good girl next door type of thing. You know, and it's the same thing with someone like Angelina Jolie. Um, and with all respect to both of those women, you know, I, I hope the example fits um, in terms of, of you know, how you approach who's right in what role. Um, you kind of have to go off, and that's where you use your gut. It's what's your gut telling me about who this person actually is. So does the, 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 the old issue of being typecast, like the old George Reeves as Superman, is that still kind of alive today inside the casting producer's offices, inside the people who are making the movies? Are, are they uh, aware that this person might you know, to the audience, uh, have a certain baggage, and I don't mean that in a negative sense or a pejorative sense, but a positive or negative. They, they may be known as a particular type, and therefore you, you're more reluctant to cast them in this particular role. Um, yeah, I, I do. No, I, I do think that, that that exists to a, a degree. I think it's always existed. Um, if you go back to the old studio system, Clark Gable played Clark Gable in every single movie he was in. Sure. You know, and and back then what they did is they had Clark Gable under contract, so they had writers that wrote specifically for Clark Gable. And so all the films were tailor-made for who Clark Gable was, or at least the, the essence of who he was. You know, there was, there was who Clark Gable actually was and what the studio presented, but what the studio presented is the essence. That's, that's sort of what I'm talking about. In terms of typecasting, you know, I, I mean, we even when, – when we're coaching clients and stuff, this, this question comes up a lot because, you know, we deal with the essence. Well, a lot of times what we do is we break down um, people's archetypes, and we break it down to archetypes because it's the language that everybody understands, you know, um, and it's a way to sort of um, wrap um, 
get, with getting out of the psychology of it and sort of wrapping around what it is the actor's doing. And people go, well, okay, but if, if my archetypes are this and I should be playing these roles and then I, it means that these roles I'm not as suited for, isn't that limiting? Or, or uh, does that mean I get typecast in, in a certain place? And the thing is, is I don't think that it is. Um, if you're starting out, you're never going to get cast for something that you're really not close to anyway because they're going to go for the person that is that as opposed to the person that's do, just doing a good job acting that. Um, and beyond that, you know, if you become really famous, then you have the freedom to play whatever it is you want to play. It doesn't mean the audience will accept it. You know, Julia Roberts is another good example of somebody that, that sort of played the, in, in a degree, a, a, another version of the girl next door kind of thing. And when she went off and did Mary Shelley and some other, um, you know, more dramatic pieces like that, they didn't do well at the box office because people didn't want to see her like that, you know. And it took her a while to kind of learn, like, oh, okay, right, so this is the type of thing. Now, in that, then she can play everything from Aaron Brockovich to Ocean's Eleven to um, Charlie Wilson's War, and, and that, there's a wide range in that, but she's still at the core playing what it is the audience thinks Julia Roberts is. Well, again, this speaks to me. It speaks volumes in terms of, of being business savvy and being smart and knowing, you know, who you are, knowing your your, your range, your limits, your and and where you excel. It means knowing your type, or as Bob Fraser would say, you know, make, knowing your own brand. In, in other business, you might call it, you know, vertical niche marketing. You know, if you're really good at playing a particular mm-hmm. role, you could spend a lifetime playing that role. And I think, you know. A lot of actors get, you know, frustrated because they think they want to do they want to do everything and play every part and and uh, and be all things to all people. But the, um, I had a friend in Hollywood one time who said, you know, I don't want to be a leading man. I don't want to be a big star. I'd rather be the successful character actor who works all the time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, than than the guy who's going to fight for four or five movies in in two or three years, kind of thing. And 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 I at the time didn't think that that was that profound. You know, mm-hmm. I thought, why would you rather do that? But he took it from a business sense. He said, mm-hmm. "I will always be feeding my family," and and uh, and so it, it, it seems to to make sense for the actor to. I, again, you know, you're, you're. I think you're speaking volumes of really, really good, you know, business sense for the actors as well as as uh, you know for the filmmakers who are listening. Um, I want to. Well, it, and it's. Uh, I, I was just going to say it, it's it's you know yes that that is um, I guess that does address somewhat what the, where the actors are coming from in it um, but really their job simply put is they just need to show up and kind of be themselves given the script that's there and and it's up to everybody else to decide how that fits in so kind of where I was talking about is really very key for the filmmakers because it's it's part of what you really have to think about, you know, and some of where it just gets to a gut level is does it take the name aside, does this person in there really interest you in it or not? You know? Um, does it feel like a good fit there or not? Or does it feel like, oh well that's different. I didn't think of them doing that. Well maybe that's not a great choice then, you know? Um, unless their name is just so huge you know, I mean, to go back to Angelina Jolie, if Angelina Jolie wants to come and do your independent film and she wants to play a grandmother in it, let her do it. Because from the business side of it, you'd be foolish not to do it. But that's where she has so much star power that she can go ahead and do whatever she, it is she wants to do. And right now, people will still show up to see it, you know. Um, or at least, at least from a small movie standpoint, they will. Let's put it that way. Well, again, fascinating. I, I, just an aside, and 
and you know, this is your hour. I don't really want to talk that much, but I, I find myself doing so. I happen to be on YouTube this morning, as a matter of fact, early in the early morning hours, and I happen to come across the audition tapes for Lost of mm -hmm. Matthew Fox and Evangeline Lilly and, and some of the people. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, I mean, I didn't realize that this would happen today, but I watched Matthew Fox audition for the role of Sawyer on the show, if, if listeners mm -hmm. know who Sawyer mm -hmm. is. And I went absolutely wrong. I mean, he, he was just not right, you know, in watching it. You go, and, it, and it may be because I'm familiar with the actor that plays Sawyer. It may be anything. But, but in watching the audition, I went, you know, you can see he's got some talent. But in having watched the show, you go, he fits much, much better as Jack the doctor. He doesn't mm -hmm. fit as Sawyer, the, the smart-ass kind of guy, you know. Well, when you get to essences with that, what he's missing, what he doesn't have, he doesn't have thief. And the Sawyer, the Sawyer role at the heart of him, he needs Steve. And Matthew Fox doesn't. It's not one of his his primary essences, and so it's not where you go immediately for that role. Then you know. So it's, uh, I, I, and I wanted to just use that to piggyback on on some of the things that you said about how uh, you know important it is to find the right actor for the right role at whatever level of production you're doing. I need to take just a short break here to to uh, do kind of a commercial plug here. Um, for, of course. Uh, for the show itself, and that is people always say, again, how can they help? Well, you can promote it, but the one thing that you can do is while you're listening, or either it's an archive show or live, you can add Movie Beat uh, from Blog Talk Radio. You can add it as one of your favorites. You can become a, a friend of Movie Beat by clicking on the buttons there, and you can rate the shows, and that's something I've never mentioned to our listeners before, but, uh, you know, it is something that you can do, and... Uh, and uh, and that way you become part of the uh, the movie beat family. I would like to think, um, Michael. Let's just take a moment now that we're back here, and mm -hmm. and you had mentioned in the first interview, and then I want to turn our attention back to uh, the producers and directors. But you had mentioned some tools, some online resources, or something, and I know that anyone out there listening is going to want to have um, your insights into what would be valuable for them to be able to utilize in pursuing a, an acting career? Sure, yeah, mo most definitely. I mean, there, there are a lot of good services out there. There, there are several that sort of stand above the others. Not even, I won't even claim because they're necessarily better. Um, some are, um, but, but mostly because they're the ones that are mainly used. And so, you know, it, it's often, uh, you know, one of the things I mentioned was that, you know, it's the eternal struggle of an actor while they're still really working on getting true work um, to be able to afford to pay for all the things that you need to pay for. So you got to kind of figure out, you know, exactly what it is you want to um, put your cash down for. But, you know, a lot of the services now, um, I like, for instance, um, Actors Access is one that I use all the time. It's actually through Breakdown Services. Um, and what it is is years ago, um, Breakdown Services gave actors – um, access to the breakdowns if the casting director allows it. So, for instance, when I'm going in and putting a breakdown in and listing the project, I can choose to release it to Actors Access as well as the agents and managers. Um, it depends on the project that I'm doing and the type of cast I'm looking for. If I'm looking for name cast only, for instance, I'm not going to release it to Actors Access because anybody that has a name um, will also have representation, so it would be a moot point in that case. But when I'm casting, let's say, one of these Walt Disney commercials that, that I've done, um, yeah, I release it everywhere because I want 
I want to see who comes in, um, and I want to be able to bring the best person to the role, and it doesn't really matter necessarily whether they have an agent or manager. Um, and so that's a great tool. Um, there's also LA Casting. Um, there's one called Now Casting. Um, there's, there's two other services that I'll just mention that are really great, one uh, that we use at least. One is um, uh, there's a company called Cazd, it's C-A-Z-T, um, and uh, that's where we actually, they have um, casting facilities, and it's, it's the place that we uh, cast a lot of our commercials out of. Um, and, but what's great about what they do is they, um, an actor can upload a certain amount of stuff, headshots, resumes, that kind of thing for free and have a profile on there. But if you pay for whatever their add-on services, you are given access to all of the casting tape for everything that you audition for there. Um, and, you know, not everyone needs that necessarily, but for a lot of people, it's really fantastic to be able to see what it is you do. I mean, it's one thing to be recorded in an acting class, let's say. Um, it's another thing to see what happens to you when the heat's on and you're in an audition setting and how you perform. Um, it, it can sometimes be the most valuable bit of information you can get, and you have access to all that. Uh, and so I, I think that's really – it's just a very – clever, creative way um, for, to, to, you know, let actors in kind of on the process. Um, and lastly, I'll just mention the, the other place that I just can't recommend enough is there's an organization, it's based out in L.A., but I, I, uh, they have some sort of online version of it now as well so that um, actors from all over the country can, can, and actually all over the world, I guess, could, could be part of the service. But it's called the Actors Network, um, and it, it's um, – it's a phenomenal organization that was built by actors, um, and it, it truly is exactly what it says. It is a networking organization based off the principle that, you know, okay, so I may find out that something's casting, and it, they may be looking for a woman who's 55. Well, that doesn't do me any good, but if I have that information and I pull it in, then then somebody else can use that information. And um, so that's sort of the principle was based off of, is everybody kind of pooling what they know and who they knew together. It's kind of grown from there, and they just they have just tons of resources available, and it's, it's fairly inexpensive. Um, I used to be a member years ago when I was an actor myself. I use them all the time. I speak there. Um, and uh, they have just tons of integrity. All the people that go and speak there, no one gets paid for it or anything like that. Um, it's all sort of just giving back. Um, and uh, Kevin West and Paulo Andrus, the guys that run it, are just awesome. And so I, I can't recommend it enough. It's, a, it's the thing I tell people when they arrive in town, it's the first thing, go spend your money there. It's like 40 bucks a month, and it's, so, it's worth every penny that you put down. So anyway, uh, that's sort of, those are the resources I know of. Let me just ask you one question, and that is, do you ever use, um, like, IMDb resume or any of that as a... Yeah, I actually do not, not... I use IMDb Pro all the time to, to pull information. Um, where I tend to use IMDb resume is usually if someone lists it, um, you know, like if they send me their... their um, uh, headshots and resumes, a lot of times that's how their resume comes in. It'll just come in with a link in their email, and that's how I go to it. I do go to IMDb all the time um, to look stuff up. 
Um, but often, you know, resumes are fairly easy to send around, so people will attach them or they'll just attach the link or that kind of thing. So it's not as much that I'm actively going there to look for the resume, but it's a great way to actually just have your resume posted and send it in. That's how people use it all the time. It's really worthwhile. Awesome. Now, we've got about 15 minutes left. Again, you know, when, when we're on together, the time just flies by. I know. So many, so many incredible things to talk about. Um, and, and I, and I want to try and make sure that we divide our time up uh, fairly equally. I have sure. some questions, again, from the Internet that I, that I want to get to, but I have a question now um, because it applies to some of the things that, that people have asked on the Internet. We find ourselves in a day and age that I never thought we'd find ourselves in, where there's a whole lot more non-union work. Uh, than mm -hmm. probably ever before, and, and nationwide and, and worldwide. Uh, okay, so I'm a producer, and I've got a little bit of cash. Should I go SAG or should I go non-SAG? I know it, I know there's lots of different considerations, but in terms of casting and acting and the kinds of things that uh, – you have any recommendations? And, and you're saying if you're a producer, do you want to be signatory or not? Is that what you, is that what you mean? Yep. Um, does, I, does it benefit me to join – does it benefit me to sign a, a, a signatory contract – to become a signatory with SAG – uh, in order to have access to talent I wouldn't otherwise have access with, or now the, the revisions in contracts, uh, in core and different things. Um, what do I do? I'm a producer, and I want to be able to make a movie, and I want to be, get you know good talent, and I and I mm -hmm. and I don't know whether to go SAG or not. And I know that there's you know people are afraid to go SAG. They're they're afraid that the union will overwhelm them, and they'll spend more money with penalties than they will with production. So, you know, my, overall my experience. Um, has been that it, it's better to go with SAG um, or, or, frankly, or after if you're doing something television that uh, one of their contracts applies um, than not. Um, there would be very, very small, minor circumstances where I'd say that's not the case. If you're shooting something truly, truly low budget, um, you know, and I won't even say student films because most universities with film programs have relationships with SAG, so it's a non-issue. Um, so, but I'm saying if you're not working through a school or some other institution and you're shooting something really low budget, meaning like, you know, I don't know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, and that's even a lot of money. So anywhere from there down to, you know, let's say you're putting together a short and you're spending 200 bucks on it even, you know. Um, you know, when you can use SAG, it's worth it. Um, we used to have a company – uh, meaning like it was, it was a film company, but it used to work like a theater company. It had group members that paid dues, and they went and shot shorts and stuff um, that worked through our school. And um, they did a whole series of shorts through that, and they did all the shorts through SAG. Um, and even though the budget of these things were like 500 to to 1000 bucks, you know, so you think, oh, it's not worth it or whatever. But <clears throat> it allows you to use any of the actors then, because when you're at that low of a budget, you can use non-union or union, so you're not restricted there. And, yeah, it's a little extra paperwork to file, but in the long run, it's really worth it. it it's only if you're positive the actors that you know you want to use are non-union, and it's frankly more of a hassle to try and get everybody in the union and go that route and do all of that that I would suggest not. You know, Otherwise, under almost every other circumstance, I would do it. They have great low-budget contracts in place now, and so you know, if you're working under $200,000, I think it is. It may have gone up a little bit from that, but if you're working anything under that, you're talking about paying your actors $100 a day, and that's for it to be a distributed movie in the theaters, etc. If you're doing it for the Internet, they have great Internet contracts. They'll totally work with you, and in a lot of cases, you don't end up paying the actors anything up front necessarily. Um, so if you're doing something really low-budget and you looking for free actors, basically, who want the experience, you can still even do that through SAG. So, 
Well, very cool, because I think a lot of people, you know, would want to know that. And and like I said, I you know I talk to people all the time who, are, who seem to struggle with that issue, you know, and they think that the cost versus the benefits, you know, is going to override um, their opportunity to make a film. And um, I, I do have a question though from the interve- internet mm-hmm. from the other day. Uh, this question came up, and they said, "How helpful is the casting director to the producer when navigating and negotiating with SAG for signatory doc, you know, the doc- the, doc- the document?" Um, do they do that, or is that solely the producer's job? Or, or how it's it's primarily the producer's job. I have gotten involved in that a little bit myself. That's more so because I've done it myself as a producer, um, and our company is actually signatory with SAG because of our production stuff. So, um, you know, it, it's um, it's something where I can step in to help if need be. But for the most part. Getting signatory with SAG is not um, something you would necessarily need your casting director for. Um, they can probably answer some questions for you, that kind of thing. But um, it's really a pretty simple and straightforward process in terms of getting signatory for it. It's just a matter of filing the paperwork, and you have to. The biggest issue with SAG is they're a big organization, and it takes time. And so, if you're planning on shooting this weekend and you call SAG on Thursday, uh, they're probably going to tell you to go fly a kite. Um, you know, you need to, uh, uh, you know, give enough advance time, that kind of thing. It doesn't take forever, but a couple of weeks and that kind of thing for, for them to have the time to deal with all the paperwork. But um, it's otherwise, it's pretty easy. How about how about just negotiating the salary? How about uh, working the contracts with the actors? Is that a casting director function or, again, a producer? Yeah, that, that is more of a casting director function. Generally, your casting director is going to um, help you put together the initial offer that goes in. Um, or at least you'll discuss it with them. Um, and then from there, it kind of depends on, on the producer, um, their level of experience, how they want to handle it, and then also, you know, what, what type of contracts you're talking about and where you're going. You know, if you, if you start getting into the area of making pay or play offers and that kind of thing, at that point you have lawyers involved and all sorts of other things too. So um, the casting director you know, uh, is involved in that, but by no means at that point are we, you know, leading the charge on that because, um, frankly, that's where the lawyers get, <laughs> that's where the lawyers make their money, basically. Well, what about a favorite nations class? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, in, in uh, I, the, the television series that we did a couple of years ago, I negotiated all of the contracts. Um, now, part of that was because I also ended up being hired, this is, may sound strange, but I also ended up being hired as the line producer on the show. So uh, half the time, was I wearing my line producer hat or was I wearing my casting hat? You know, I'm not sure. But um, to a large degree, I was wearing my casting hat. And because it was all favored nation deals, I negotiated everything with the with – the, uh, um, or at least presented everything to the agency. If they came back with it, it wasn't it wasn't that I didn't go to the producer and say, okay, this is what they want. What do you want to do? However, you know, uh, I was the the face that the agents were talking to. Uh, now we we've mentioned favored nations in other interviews here on Movie B, but could you give just maybe a synoptic uh, definition of it for people and 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 perhaps the, the reason why you might want to use one, especially in a low budget or a high budget production, for that matter. Yeah, it uh, it's basically means that, that all things being what they are, you're going to pay each actor and, and give you know any perks or anything in the contract, it's going to be the same for every single actor. Um, now, there can be levels of favored nation deals. So, like, you can have, you know, sometimes people deal with favored nations for the leads even, um, and, and because it's, you know, they're in, the, they're in the film. You know, let's say you have a film where you have everybody um, – uh, 
you have your two leads in it, and they're most of the movie, and you have a couple other side characters that happen to be in one scene or another or something like that. Um, people still, you know, deal with two different levels of favored nations. But it, it means that, you know, if I tell you, okay, fine, you can have, you know, an extra $50 for, you know, whatever, your wardrobe, then you have to give that $50 to everybody else as well. Um, and, and the agreement with that, what's understood then is when you're negotiating that with the agents um, or just with the actors directly even, that they understand that it's partly on word of honor that, that you're saying, look, if I do it here, I'm doing it for everybody. You know? And so it's, you're kind of all negotiating together as a group then in that way. Very cool. I appreciate you doing that for our listeners. Now, um, another one of the Internet questions from the other day had to do with the question. I, I had said, okay, so I'm an actor sitting in the Midwest or I'm in Arizona or I'm somewhere – and I and I submit for a part. What would be the likelihood of being, you know, going out to LA? Now I know I could do it at my expense, but the question that was raised was, does SAG require producers or casting directors to fly actors first class? And, and obviously that wouldn't be in my case, but I mean, in terms of a star, somebody with name value, would they have to bring them in for the audition, or when they bring them in for the audition? So does, does SAG have a requirement for? Um, they they do have requirements there. It depends on which contract you're running the project under. That's part of get, being signatoried under SAG beforehand. That you know when you when you put out the breakdown, you end up being signatoried at that time, because then you have an idea of what contract you're going under. And it's all based off of budget levels. And depending on which budget level you're at, some of the as you get down into lower budgets, they have less stringent requirements. Um, and uh, uh, I, off the top of my head, I can't even recall at which uh, budget level the, that that starts to kick in. Um, you know, it's interesting in terms. I don't think I mentioned this the other day, um, but in terms of um, flying even name actors around and stuff, I know an actor right now who's um, up for a pretty big part in Woody Allen's next film, and Woody Allen is not even flying the actor in; he's doing it all um, over the internet. Um, and he's sitting and watching the actor on a little screen on his computer and watching the auditions that way. Um, so it's becoming less and less um, of a tool that's being used just in general in terms of flying people around. Well, but the flip side to that is that means that the actor who doesn't have the name value, the, the person who is sitting in the Midwest, could also have access someday to a casting director, a producer, a director in the very same way that Woody Allen is doing it by having Most definitely. Remote. Most definitely, yeah. Woody Allen's sitting in New York, and this guy's sitting in London, and it's like they're sitting in the same room, you know. Yeah. Um, and and anyone anywhere, then, frankly, is is um, has access to the same type of thing, you know. Um, it, it really has changed the landscape of it. It's changed the way, you know. Part of what what that's affected is it's really changed the way that people audition or need to audition also i mean you know back in the day you had to command the room now there's no room half the time you know it's it's you have to command a window on somebody's computer screen you're shot much tighter and every movement you make is huge then you know and um and they're watching you in you know usually most people don't even blow up the 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 internet picture to the size of whatever their computer monitor is they're, they're looking at a much smaller size screen be, just because of bandwidth um, so it's that really changes a lot in terms of what people need to do when they go in to audition for it even, you know. 
Wow. Now, now we've got you know maybe four or five, six minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit more, a little bit less. I'm going to ask one question. Actually, three questions is one question here. I'm going to give okay. it to you all at one time. Again, this comes from the internet from one of our listeners who says, "Do casting directors charge for their services based on a percentage of the budget? Is there a scale for this? And when is a job too small?" So that's three questions right there for you. And then because I want you to be able to talk about other things as well. Sure. Sure. Uh- uh, yes, I mean, every casting director has their own rates, and it's based off of their years of experience. However, the general rule of thumb is that um, casting directors get paid 1% of the budget. Um, and uh, I'm not sure what the second question was in there. The third question I know was, was is there uh, an amount that's too small? Yeah, no, the second question was, is there a scale? And if it, if you know, I, I, a sliding scale for that, and it, it sounds like there could be, definitely. Yeah, there definitely could be. Um, there would be a too small. I mean, obviously, if your budget's really low, 1% is probably not going to be enough, depending on what your casting needs are. But it really, truly depends on the project. Um, that, that 1% is just sort of a ballparky type of thing to kind of go, okay, well, my budget's this, so I'm looking at this amount for casting. You know, as casting people, you can't expect them to cough up a ton of money if you're not starting with a lot to begin with. Then that's up to the casting person to decide if that's the job they want to take or not. Um, and I don't know if anything's too small. I mean, if something's really interesting, um, it depends on what the casting director has going on. It depends on who's involved, who they know, whatever. I mean, we, we've looked at all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, that kind of goes all over the map. Um, and it really, you know, it depends on all the individual circumstances, really. Well, I, I think, you know, to analogize everything, not everything, but what you just said is, you know, it's the old saying, shoot for the stars and you, you'll at least reach the moon. If you've got a, a project and you want to interest a casting director or a director or a producer or a particular star, if it trips their trigger, and they find that they can be passionate about it, they might work all sorts of deals in order to be on that project. You know, I'll give you a, a really great example. The casting director that we ended up hiring for our, our romantic comedy detour. You know, it, detour is definitely an indie production. Um, you know, we're we're not at a huge, huge budget level, and our casting director did Godfather 3 and The Nutty Professor and Beverly Hills Cop movies and you know, all sorts of stuff, and the story resonated with her, and she loved it. And she she said, yeah, great, I'll take this on. That sounds good, you know, and that's how that came about, you know. And um, and so you just never know. I would have never in a million years thought that it would be something that she would have moved forward to do, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, ask, you know, get. It never hurts. Uh, Michael, you know, again, this has been a fabulous interview. You, 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 you know, you cast and you produce and you, and you, you've done television and movies and, and, and starting with the news. But uh, again, I do, I, I really appreciate you coming on. You, you know, you told me that the, that the day was extremely busy and, and uh, you've taken time from your busy schedule today to uh, to talk to our listeners. Um, I, I would love to have you back again to talk either producing or more casting or or anything that you would like to talk about. Uh, Of course, and anytime. I I really do enjoy it. Thank you for the opportunity. It's fun. We've got uh, two or three minutes. Uh, I know you coach actors. You coach uh, people uh, in the Los Angeles area. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you like to talk a little bit about your institute? Literally about three minutes, if you you would, uh, about the business of acting work that you teach to to actors and and what you do at Studio C Artists. Yeah, sure. Most definitely. We we kind of have just um, developed a program that's based off of um, helping actors 
to be able to identify what it is about them that's unique and then how to figure out how to use that. You know, it's we all know each, you know, understanding yourself and knowing yourself and what other people see when you come in um, is can be a challenge. Um, it's a lot better to recognize things in other people than it is to recognize what it is that, that you have going on. And, you know, a lot of what the work that we do just has to do with um, opening an actor up to being able to share all the parts of them, the good and the bad. You know, I always tell people it, it's like you, you wouldn't expect a ballerina to go into um, a dance audition and say, oh, but I'm only going to use this one leg. The other one I'm going to hold back here. I'm not going to use it, you know. As an actor, you have to be willing to use all the parts of you, you know, and share your scars and use them and um, and and allow – trust that that what you're offering up is, um, is what they're looking for. And if it's not, it's not a reflection on you. That All of that is, is, um, is not easy. It, it goes against what human beings have at least been socialized to understand. You know, you go into something and you, you want to be liked and you want people to like you. And, you know, you don't go on a first date and go, oh, and by the way, you know, if, when I'm hungry, I get really crabby and grouchy and I'll probably yell at you and things like that. You know, you want to go in and just show all the good things about yourself. And so it's, it's a little bit counterintuitive to do that when you're auditioning and when you're acting, and yet that's what's required. So that's really what we work with people on is, is just kind of helping people to open up and accept the light and dark parts of themselves and then figure out what to do with that in the scene, you know? And, and, then, and then how it applies to, to, to navigating the business in, in Hollywood and, and filmland, I guess we will just call it, as opposed to Hollywood. Um, yeah, we, we, we try and bring a lot of real-world experience to it, you know, um, because we work on the other side of the camera. We have a lot of insight there. and we, You know, anywhere we, where we can provide insight to our actors to let them know, okay, this is what you're going to face, this is what's going to happen, this is what they're saying when you walk out of the room, all of that kind of stuff, it, it really, knowledge is power, and that's where it comes from. I think that it's absolutely fabulous, and I, and I think that you've made so many excellent points over the course of the two interviews that we've done, and I know that you... You know, you are just a resource uh, that uh, people ought to and should connect with, and it's Studio C Artist at your website? Uh, uh, our website is uh, studiocartist.com, and uh, if you go to the website there, our email's there, and, and Facebook, Twitter, all that kind of stuff, and um, if anybody, if I didn't answer your question, you have them, just, just fire me a, a note, and I'll be happy to try and answer your question the best I can. And and they can reach you through the Movie Beat website at rexsykes.com, R-E-X-S-I-K-E-S.com. There's a resource page there under resources that is the direct link to do some biographical information on your on the studio. Um, Great. And there's a direct link to the studio there. Also, um, your interviews, both of them will be archived on the uh, official Movie Beat site as well, and people can go and, and actually click on them and hear them as MP3s, or they can get them as podcasts. Um, I appreciate everything, and I also appreciate the fact that you spoke to the production side to it. I, I encourage directors not to edit their own films often. You know, mm -hmm. they, they can be part of the process, but always hire an editor because it makes most sense to get somebody who knows that part of the business. And in the same way, producers and directors really need a lot of casting expertise of, of, of someone like yourself who, can, who adds value and brings value to the production. So I, I want to thank you so much for being here today. You're more than welcome. Thank you again. And I know that our listeners want to hear from you again, as do I. We'll be in touch very shortly. But for now, I'm going to say so long for the day, and thanks very much, Michael Sontag. Thank you.
I want to thank our listeners again for tuning into Movie Beat. I appreciate the fact that you're here. I want to encourage you to add us as one of your favorites. Subscribe to the RSS feeds both on Blog Talk or on the Rex Sykes Movie Beat official site. Um, please share us with your friends in the industry as well as your friends. You can use Facebook, MySpace, or email to get the word out because we really want to connect you up with the people who uh, who we get to talk with and the resources available to you so that you can make your movies, so that you can act more successfully in film, so that you can write screenplays and, and, and become the filmmaker that you want to be. And that's my goal for all of us here on Movie Beat, to, um, to work together and, and pursue everything in film and television and to have access to the people who can mentor us or coach us. And someone like Michael Sante has incredible gift. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to Movie Beat today. Come on back. We'll have a Hollywood agent next, and that's a wrap.